And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, welcome into an all-new spin rate. Producer Cam here with you. A quick note before we kick off today's show from the producer's desk, just scanning through Twitter, of course. Shortly after we finish recording, the Blue Jays announced that Bradley Zimmer is designated for assignment, which means Jackie Bradley Jr. will remain on the roster. It's important because Drew and Caitlin had a conversation about the two. The merits of having which one on the roster, the defensive, offensive implications, and now we know who's on the roster. So just for some clarity's sake, this was recorded before the news broke, but there's still value in that conversation between Drew and Caitlin as the two looked at JBJ's offensive and defensive productivity and how he meshes in with the Blue Jays. If you haven't already, make sure to like, rate, subscribe to the show. And as always, thank you so much for your support. And without further ado, here's Drew and Caitlin. I'm here, joined, as always, at the beginning of the week by Caitlin McGrath, who covers the team for The Athletic. Caitlin, the sky's falling, but I hope that you are still okay and well. I am well. I am doing well. I actually got to slightly sleep in today which was a a joy i needed it for whatever reason i feel like the time changes of the weekend series always Mm. takes a lot out of me because you're doing night early evening i guess three o'clock start and then you're doing a full day game it's like so it's like your wake up time is different each day and like your time arrival at home is different each day and it just is a it's always a quick turnaround and yeah They're making you run the gauntlet these days with these starting times. You did get to go see some tennis, though, this week. You got to go and see Serena, Serena Williams, which was nice, I'm sure. Yeah, that was really fun to be there. I obviously read the Vogue piece that she put out, and then almost instantly I was like, I got to go see her. This is going to be my last time. I've seen her before, but obviously Mm. I knew this would be my last time seeing her because I won't be in New York during the U.S. Opened. Sometimes it works out that the Jays are there uh, playing the Yankees at that time, but not this year. So I went. It was great. Kind of had a feeling it might be her last match just because she hasn't been playing a lot. So I wanted her to win. Everybody in the crowd wanted her to win. But also, realistically, um, it was possible that it, it would be her last match in Toronto. So that's why I wanted to be there. It was great just to like be part of that send off to her and just cheer and see her. I mean, how I'm obviously a huge tennis fan and we've been so blessed in this almost the entire time that I've been watching tennis, that she's been relevant and been basically the best tennis player that we've ever seen. And so it felt like just such an opportunity to go see her. Like if you have these sports legends and you have the opportunity to see them one last time, you got to take it. And so that was my, that was my uh, time to do that. And I was actually thinking like ahead to next year when the men will be in Toronto, wondering like, will Roger Federer 
be here? Like, should I sort of plan ahead? Maybe. Or in a doll. Once Serena hangs them up, then you start to think the end could be coming for a few other guys on that side. I've never seen Roger Federer. And I was actually never, I've never been a huge Federer fan. I mean, I'm a huge Federer fan in that he's great for tennis and everything, but I've always kind of leaned towards like Nadal. So that's just me, but I would love to see him. Not only Serena Williams has a case to be the best athlete ever, not just tennis player, not just, not just women's tennis player, just athlete, tennis player, anything, Uh, a very legitimate case given her incredible body of work. Caitlin, of course, as I mentioned, she covers the team for The Athletic, which, of course, you, where are you listening to this? You can subscribe to The Athletic if you don't already. You can go to theathletic.com slash binwrite. Subscribe. Let them know that we sent you. Get it yourself a tiny discount. Read everything that Caitlin writes. Read everything that everyone writes as we wind down here through the dog days of August and into the very important and exciting pennant races. I also mentioned that Caitlin and I do this show once a week at the beginning, beginning of the week. You should subscribe to the show because so you can hear what Caitlin and I say right away. And also because I re- we record another episode later in the week. Me and Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays All-Star, get together, talk about all things Blue Jays. And there's a lot to talk about right now. A very, well, it's not been a great month of August so far. Here we are, two weeks in. Uh, the series in Cleve- against Cleveland, against the Guardians at the Rogers Center. Blue Jays lose two of three. Has a lot of people asking uh, a lot of questions, uh, quite rightly. I th- not, a, quite rightly, but also sometimes it's really it's easy to fail to see the forest for the trees sometimes. I think Sunday's game in particular is the kind of game that has re- people really talking, really frustrated. The Blue Jays didn't score a lot of runs, as one may have pre- been able to predict as they went right through the heart of the Cleveland's very vaunted starting pitching rotation. Pitching is Cleveland's whole thing. It's what they do. It's what they've done for a number of years now. It's what got them all the way to the World Series in 2016. It is the basis upon which they, as a team, are built. But the offense is different, right? The offense looks different. And I really want to talk about that. I want to talk about some takeaways from the Cleveland series. I want to talk about the offense, what Cleveland's offense kind of makes us think. Also, just bigger picture stuff on the Blue Jays offense. And then, of course, we'll look ahead to a series upcoming against the dreaded Baltimore Orioles. World beating, playoff contending Baltimore Orioles. But let's start with this series against Cleveland Caitlin, what are your just general thoughts, I guess, on it? Uh, understandably, a frustrating outing for the Blue Jays, or Blue Jays fans. Didn't score a lot of runs. Generally stymied by this great uh, Cleveland pitching staff. Does it kind of, re- does it reveal anything to you? Does, what is it? What, is there something that this series might tell us or you about where the Blue Jays sit in the pecking order in the American League? I think that these are the types of series that are the most frustrating to watch from a fan's perspective because it's those series where the Blue Jays pitching by and large comes through and then it's the offense that lets them down and this whole entire season and just the general, you talk about how Cleveland is built around pitching. Well, the Blue Jays are supposed to be built around their very difficult to get through offense and the offense is supposed to do a ton of damage. And so It's obviously the Blue Jays won the Saturday game on the back of good pitching from Mitch White and the bullpen. The bullpen, by and large, was really effective this entire series. They didn't allow a run until the ninth inning, I think, when Trent Thornton came in. Other other than that, they kept it scoreless. Um, Barrios did not have a good outing on the Friday game. But then afterwards, like again, the bullpen was really good. And so 
mixed bag of pitching performance. And then Kevin Gosman, it's just one of those ones where you kind of throw up your hands and you're like, why is this happening to this guy? Because he's he pitched really well. The Cleveland Guardians are kind of a tough matchup for any kind of pitcher. And I almost thought this is a tough matchup for Kevin Gosman, only because the thing that has sort of undone him almost inexplicably this year is just these balls getting through some sloppy defense behind him, which also doesn't jive with the Blue Jays as a whole are actually a very good defensive team. They are overall top six in the majors in in terms of outs above average. Their infield defense is actually top three, I believe, in terms of how good they've been this year. And so this isn't some season-long trend where you kind of come to expect it. It's just so strange that for whatever reason, it's is it the type of balls that Kevin Gosman generates? It, early on, it was hitting against the shift, but they've toned down the shift against uh, when he's on the mound and he, there's still balls are getting through. I mean, his FIP is like two, which is basically the best in the majors. And it's why Fangraph's war loves him because he does things that FIP loves. He strikes out a ton. He doesn't walk anyone and he doesn't give any home runs away or gives up home runs, I should say. He has given up seven on the year, which is tied for the lowest in all of the major leagues. So this is all to say that I wrote about this yesterday and kind of trying to contextualize Kevin Gosman's season. And it's been like, we are not talking about it enough because it's actually been quite an elite season. If you look at Fangraphs, looks at his value and says he's been worth $35 million. He it's great value for the Blue Jays. It's just that some of the numbers don't jump off the page. He's eight and nine in his starts. He has a ERA that's just above three. It was under three. Then his line yesterday hurt him. So I think that it's just it was three games that were very frustrating. Even the winning game, they got the important home runs that they needed, and they pitched really, really well in that Saturday game. But I think there's sometimes when fans want more, like they they're wondering why they can't get those home runs when guys are on base, and what is, you know, what is preventing this offense from doing a ton of damage that we know they're capable of because we've seen this score this team score at prolific rates. So, I mean, I guess we'll get more into the differences between the Guardians and, and the Blue Jays and whatever else you want to talk about. But just from like a bird's eye view of this series, I, I understand why it's frustrating because I think it's it's the inconsistency and it's the thing that we've said all along this season is that a lot of times they're the elements of the roster are just like not jiving together so often. So you look at, again, that Kevin Gosman starts like the pitching was so it was fine. The pitching was fine, but then it's like the defense is letting them down and then the, the offense is letting them down. And then you look at the other game. I mean, I guess the Saturday game things did jive pretty well and that you got those few very timely hits that put you over it. But again, like this is an offense that is capable of scoring a lot more. And so this season was, um, or sorry, this series was kind of a microcosm of the season as a whole and that it kind of showed these, these trends that we've seen and we're left wondering, you know, why is it that this team with so much talent is so often plain inconsistent or having these stretches where they look like world beaters and then they struggle against teams that are also playoff contending teams? There's a lot to unpack uh, from what you've just said. I got a lot of things I've been thinking about, things I've been looking up. Um, number one, I have a theory that with with Shane Bieber on the hill pitching as well as he had, and given the fact that it was a Sunday, you know, afternoon getaway, maybe not a getaway day, but 
The Blue Jays lineup in particular was a little bit odd um, in that you had Biggio in right. You had um, you had Whit Merrifield playing second base. You had Ramel Tapia in center field. Uh, this is what, one of those games where you really miss George Springer, number one, because at, if Springer's in the lineup, one of those other guys is not. Um, I think that they went for offense against Bieber. Right. They could have they could have put Jackie Bradley Jr. back in center field. They could have had Tapia playing right field. Number one, I think they don't like I think I rightly think they don't believe that Tapia has any place in right field. Um, uh, you know, maybe you put Merrifield in 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 that that keeps you from putting Merrifield in center, Tapia in right and then Biggio back at back at uh, at second base. Uh, you so. They had a, a team that was built for offense, built around the fact that they were getting to Oscar Hernandez a day off his feet and giving Bobichet a day off. So a lot of, and, and with, B, with Springer being out. So a lot of things were kind of working against the team in, to, in terms of the way the lineup was built. If you want to put that at the feet of, of, uh, of, uh, of the, the manager, his name is uh, Schneider, Brian, Brent, Bob, John. Bill, John, <laughs> Schneider. You could lay it at his feet front office, whoever it is that's scripting these days off, if that was the situation. The fact of the matter is the uh, the defense completely betrayed Kevin Gossman. And that's been a awesome. theme. Mm-hmm. That, have you noticed that over the course of almost, maybe not all his starts, but you can point to a few where it's like, why is this happening to him? Sometimes that just is how it goes. I used to joke around that like Brandon Morrow was the same way. Brandon Morrow would have great years, but like shit just happened to him. And that seems like it was going on with Kevin Gosman. I think that Kevin Gosman with Alejandro Kirk against Cleveland is a particularly bad matchup because they do love to steal. And Alejandro Kirk is not good at um, lots of things. Uh, and Kevin Gossman on his own is very much not good at holding runners on. Runners run roughshod over Kevin Gossman. They don't have too difficult a time running on Alejandro Kirk. More Gossman than Kirk, though. And then when you've got Biggio like, not having a great day in the outfield, you've got uh, little things like Tapia letting the ball bounce up over his head, right? To, to, to ha- which sends an extra, uh, gives up an extra base. All the extra bases that happen on those deals. Extra run, yeah. Extra bases extra that turn base. into extra runs. Yeah. Uh, the bloops that, you know, the Austin Hedges, who is, somebody was saying that, like, there's a, there's a understanding that, uh, that Austin Hedge is one of the worst hitters anyone's some people have ever seen. Like he's not a big league hitter, yeah, and he had two hits. He had a double and a single. Both were like bloops that just landed where they needed to land. Again, not a guy you expect to beat you. A guy you expect to go up there and probably strike out. They didn't. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... mm, 
real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. So while that's going on, that's undermining all of Kevin Gosman's best efforts and it's, and it's exposing the Blue Jays. But then the other thing is you watch the way that when you, when you, it's so easy to credit things that when they go well, like, okay, Mitch, Mitch White and the Blue Jays bullpen really did a great job against Cleveland on Saturday. But then suddenly this mighty, unbelievable balance, the word someone used against me was balance, this incredible balanced offense, this Cleveland coming up with different approaches, like, like the Blue Jays handed them that win, right? The Cleveland's offense is not a great offense. Cleveland's offense is cheap, right? They have a lot of guys who hit singles and they have Jose Ramirez, right? And, and, and Josh Naylor, right? Their, their offense is cheap because guys who are single sitters are, are easier and more cost effective to acquire than guys who hit for power. It looks great when it's working, right? But what happened on Saturday when they couldn't get, they, all they could muster was six singles or five singles and a double off of Mitch White and a host of Blue Jays relievers. Suddenly, the offense doesn't look so great, but that's, of course, credit to Mitch White and not criticism of the way that, the, that, that Cleveland run their offense. Cleveland beats up on the Blue Jays by doing what? Did they string a bunch of singles together on Friday night? No, they hit the ball over the fence, right? And why did the Blue Jays win on, on Saturday? Because they hit the ball over the fence. That's how it works. That's how baseball works right now. Well, it's, 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 fr- it's easy to understand the appeal, of, of, for me, of watching Cleveland hit singles and, and run the bases very well. Um, the, the model... Is for the Blue Jays should not be Cleveland in terms of right. what, what's wrong with their offense. We don't look to Cleveland to say what's wrong with the Blue Jays' offense. Look to the Dodgers. The Dodgers are the model. And, and I, I got thinking about it and I was looking at it today. This is now we're kind of transitioning into what's going on with the Blue Jays' offense. Number one, uh, they just, they're missing a really good player and they've got a couple of players who aren't really slumping, right? Kirk has not done anything recently. Neither has Danny Jansen. They didn't score against Bieber. They had a couple of chances. Never really happened. Vlad's hitting streak is over. He's a guy who's really had some struggles in um, clutch moments this year so far. Anyway, the Dodgers are the model, right? Whatever the Dodgers do, the Blue Jays should try to do. And I think that's where they are. If you look at the Dodgers offense, the Dodgers offense and the Blue Jays offense actually have a lot of things in common, right? Freddie Freeman and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. are similar. Freeman's having a much better year, but they they do a lot of things the same. They don't strike out a lot. They walk a fair amount. They hit for power. Freeman, of course, is left-handed. Mookie Betts, there's not really a good Blue Jays parallel for Mookie Betts, but like even Teoscar Hernandez comes kind of close in terms of production, right? You've got 
Will Smith and, and, and Alejandro Kirk, similar guys. Now, those top three Dodgers hitters are having a better year than, than those, those top three Blue Jays hitters. But it's when you get, start to get down a little bit. You know, Gavin, if you look at Gavin Lux and compare Gavin Lux to Bo Bichette, for example, there's similarities. I mean, people, they want to rail against the Blue Jays and, oh, they only swing for the fences. But it's like the Dodgers have Max Muncy and that's all he does. They have Cody Bellinger and that's all he does. They went out and got Joey Gallo, another guy to do that. And they still score runs in bunches, right? It's just the, the, what the Blue Jays lack, I think, in a way is they don't walk. And this is something that I was talking about with some folks online. For an elite offense, they have a, one of the lowest walk rates compared to the other teams around them, which I think can, can make it challenging to paper over holes. Or that's when you can have these kind of like longer Pharaoh periods, I think, where like you have these big error bars or these big gaps in, in where the offense and how it's able to produce, um, between the, between, you know, when things are going well and everybody's hitting the ball well and they're hitting the ball over the fence and things are going great versus when things are, when things aren't going well, when they're not, hitting the ball over the fence. And, and uh, you know, while they do have, a, we've seen them a few different times have good rallies that weren't based around home runs, right? Again, yeah. Tasker Hernandez has really changed his approach. He's been great. Lourdes Gurriel, can't not, you can't say enough about Gurriel. Had great plate appearances against Shane Bieber. Hit the ball hard to right field at least twice. Was on, was, was on with singles, extra base hits. Uh, Gurriel, is, in, in my mind, is the model for how you can be a good Blue Jays hitter with the Blue Jays philosophy of swing decisions and, and aggression and looking to do damage without looking to walk. But Gurriel is a great example of how what it can look like when it's working really well. And you just need to have more Guriels or more guys having Guriel style at bats than the rest. So this is a kind of a convoluted way of me describing like the Blue Jays offense is still really, really, really good. By weighted runs created plus the Blue Jays offense in 2022 is better than the Blue Jays offense in 2021. And that's without having to beat up on the, the Orioles yet. Yeah. Right. The 2021 Blue Jays got fat off the Orioles in a lot of ways. 2022 offense is better by weighted runs created plus by one, by one point. By one point. And I don't want to interrupt your thought Please. Here, but I just wanted to say, like, I saw this yesterday and then I just looked it up. Like for everyone that's like crediting the Cleveland Guardians offense and say like they get on base and they they just hit the ball whatever like the Blue Jays on the season have a better batting average than Cleveland the Blue Jays have the second best batting average and I know batting average is obviously not like the stat that we're going to use as like a wholesale this is the offense but like the Blue Jays batting average is 263 the the Dodgers is 261 just below them the Cleveland Guardians the batting average is 252 so the Blue Jays like for for everything that people say about the offense and they only swing for the fences and they strike out a ton it's like that's actually not true like and i think your point is a good one is that they don't walk enough and so then it because they just put the they put the bat on the ball so often they're hitting into a ton of double plays they hit into they hit a lot of ground balls and of course some sneak through but when you're like toppy is a good example it's like you can see his plate appearances and on the surface they look like really good plate appearances and they are if he's seen like nine or ten pitches and he's fouling off five pitches but on the other hand he could take four pitches and just get a walk and so sometimes those plate appearances he gets a hit at the end of it and you look at it and you're like that's a good plate appearances he fouled off four pitches and then he got his pitch and he sent it into a right field and he got on base sure but he could also have done that more efficiently by taking the four balls that were thrown to him and he would have the same result and so i think that that is your point is a good one, whereas like the Dodgers do, they do walk a ton, right? I mean, I think the Dodgers, let's see, their walk rate is 9.7, which is above average. Jays are 7.7, which is below average. 
below average for the league, but also below average for the five or six teams that the Blue Jays are among of the best offenses in baseball, which is what the Blue Jays are. Did they show it this weekend against Cleveland? No. Cleveland was able to game plan and and pitch very effectively against this Blue Jays offense, which I think is maybe the the question. And and again, you can start to th- slice things real thin. And well, how do the Blue? You know, I, I did that today. Like, how do the Blue Jays fare against relievers? Maybe it's relief pitching that that get the Blue Jays, which we've talked about. No, they're still right up there. What about late and close stuff? No, you know, high leverage, They've medium leverage, gotten, Blue Jays. That was a big thing last year, and I remember looking at it this year. And it's not been the same story. I, they have been outscored in the ninth inning. But I think only slightly. But yeah, the late and close stuff was a huge thing last year. It's really not been an issue for them this year. They've sort of been fine in that department where you expect them to be. This offense, I mean, I'm going to let you finish your thought, but the my big takeaway is this, they just go through these weird stretches where they kind of all slump at the same time to some extent. Or they just have these games where I think – in the game that they lost, I think on Friday night, they actually had more hits than Cleveland. And they might have even, I'm not sure if they had more hits in Cleveland by the end of it, but certainly they mm. were hitting, they were getting a lot of hits. It's just they're not getting those big hits when guys are on base. They keep, on Saturday, they did win that game, but both of their home runs were solo home runs. I'll, I'll come back to the Dodgers again. Like the Dodgers are the, are the model. The Dodgers in June. Had, were uh, significantly below their own standard in terms of offense. They managed just a 736 OPS there in the month of June. Mookie Betts had a terrible month. Uh, a couple of the guys had terrible months. Gavin Lux, car- you know, sort of carried them. Um, a couple of things I think that the Dodgers, the Dodgers' best hitters don't strike out as much as the Blue Jays' best hitters, although they both are pretty similar in terms of strikeout rate. Um, uh, the other thing about, about the Dodgers is they are a very, very good base running team, while the Blue Jays are average. Um, I, we've talked about this a lot. I love the way that Vlad runs the bases. I think he's become very be- much, uh, much improved. He doesn't make as many outs in the bases, but, and look, we can talk about Kirk another time. Alejandro Kirk is one of the two or three worst base runners in, the, in baseball. <laughs> He doesn't make mistakes because he doesn't try to yeah. his credit, but like those missed extra bases add up, right? Alejandro Kirk is going to have, like, he, he's at the point where he has to hit the ball over the fence to hit a double, unfortunately. So things like that and, and Guriel making outs on the bases, like it's his job, uh, you know, those things add up and, 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 Credit to Cleveland for being a really good base running team, a team that steals a lot of bases. We've talked to you and I about Whit Merrifield adding that dimension as a member of the Blue Jays. Uh, Whit can't steal first, so yeah, he's got to get on base to start that doing is, that. That is a little bit uh, in in uh, in neutral right now, but I just there's I, I don't know what the if, if there's a good fix. Um, if there's there's not there's no satisfying answer to the fact that like you you. When you zoom out, the, you realize it's easy to see the Blue Jays are a really good elite offense. One of the best offenses in baseball, better than they were last year when they scored tons of runs against a truly pitiful Baltimore Orioles team. But that doesn't matter when the Blue Jays lose, right? No. Because when they lose, you look at it and be like, what are they doing? Yeah. And what they're doing yesterday was they got destroyed by Shane Bieber, who pitched really, really well. And then they bring in the, you know, the, I mean, they had their chances kind of come down, come down the game with a couple, couple add on runs and the tying run was at the plate uh, or in the on deck circle Vlad. with nothing else. No, with Vlad, Vlad, yeah. was, Vlad was the tying run twice, I think. Mm-hmm. And 
the first time he managed to feel like hit a ground ball that was kind of a fielder's choice. So they scored a run on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that was wasn't mad. the tie. Yeah. And he didn't get it. And then, so mm-hmm. that made it five, two. So I guess they had their chance in that scenario. And then, yeah, I guess it was the seventh, I believe. And Vlad was up with two on and he rolled over a slider. Sorry. I was just trying to remember mm-hmm. what happened to it um, and grounded out again. Yeah. And that's frustrating for him because he obviously has been their best hitter for a month now, if not more than that. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, I mean, he's the best hitter permanently, but I mean, the way that he was hitting <laughs> the last mm-hmm. month, um, he looked like their best hitter. So totally frustrating for him. And I think what you're getting at is something that has been so difficult to contextualize as a writer this year, because I totally hear the fans frustration when it comes to this offense. And I think when it's going good, nobody sort of realizes how good it's going. And then when it's going bad, it's all this team can't hit this team can't adjust. But then a person like me who has to sort of say, well, why is that happening? And then you do look at the numbers and you're just left confused. Cause you're like, any way you slice it, most of the time you're coming out with the Blue Jays in the top five offense. You know, if you look at hitting with runners in scoring position, hitting this way against, like you said, against relievers, against starters, again, and you every time you come away with it, it's like, eh, no, they're actually still pretty good. So then you sort of scratch your head or like pull your hair out and go, but why mm-hmm. is this then happening? And is it just an experience thing? Is it just like a growing pains thing? Is it just that sometimes those, for whatever reason, this team, when they get into these funks, they are a little bit more prolonged. So then it feels like it's worse. And then they come out of it and they do go and they win seven of their next nine or whatever it is. They've been doing that all year. And maybe that stuff gets overshadowed or because it's, they just start playing the way you're, you imagine that they should be playing. It doesn't sort of get noticed that, oh, they're actually a really good team. And then when they don't look good, they just really don't look good. I think to a certain extent, extent that is every team like every team doesn't look good when they're not playing good and every team looks really good when they're playing good like when when a player is good they're good when a player is playing bad they look bad there's a part of me that thinks that the the shortcoming of the team and i i have this i don't know that there's any real good way to look into this other than they're all still very similar right like they're not but they are you know, Matt Chapman is a, has like that three true outcomes approach that is unique among his teammates in a lot of ways. They don't, the Blue Jays don't strike out an abnormal amount of time, but they, that very specific sort of Blue Jays centric swing decision, do damage, aggression early in the count, but not only early in the count. As we talked about that uh, Ben Clemens story uh, or piece on fan graphs about how Teoscar had really like changed gears. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., again, a guy who's like, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Is like, has only has five home runs all year, and he hit at least two or three in April. Like he's not hit, but he's become incredible. He's He has made an adjustment that makes him different, but on top of that, Sunday's game in particular, again, Sunday's game stands out. You're missing George Springer. You're missing Bo Bichette, who had the day off, which he's allowed to. He was looked like he was losing his mind on the bench. All he wanted to do was get in and hit. There was a great shot of him, like, like leg going, like he was, like he was in the wait, like it was a, it was an 80s movie and he was in the waiting room while his partner was in giving birth or something like that. Like, <laughs> but, uh, but they, you know, the, the defense is the thing that, because the Blue Jays, call, I guess, call, because the Blue Jays' calling card is offense, because they have so many talented offensive players. When they don't hit, 
or when they don't win, it, the attention goes back. Or if they don't win and, and only get score two runs, that's where the attention goes. Never, never mind the fact that they handed that game to Cleveland. They just gave it to them with their like repeated foibles in the outfield. Little things too, not just errors. Whit Merrifield makes a great effort. The ball bounces off his goddamn face yeah. and moves, goes 30 feet into center field, run scores. Kevin Biggio makes a great play. You know, but but misses one uh, earlier. The, again, the Austin Hedges thing, the stolen bases, and then Kirk throws the ball into center field because Gosman doesn't give him a good chance to throw anybody out. All those things add up. All those things are are examples of of ways that the Blue Jays uh, allowed themselves to be beat on Sunday in particular. Right. But we don't talk about those things on Sunday or on the things that happened on Saturday. Saturday is the exact kind of game that the Blue Jays need to win. They had a really good pitcher who was pitching very well, and they did what they do, which is hit the ball over the fence in times where it's not easy to do, and they play good defense, and they got good pitching. All those things matter. If you play good defense against a team like Cleveland, guess what? They're not going to score. Why? Because very few of them can hit it over the fence. But then when they do, they win too. Just like everybody. Hit the ball over the fence, you fucking win. (laughs) The thing with the Sunday game too, which was... The whole game's complexion changes if the Blue Jays drive in a few more runs in the first inning, which they had the chance to do. They actually mm-hmm. got a few hits. They were getting to Bieber early. Obviously, their approach to him earlier, whether it was they kind of anticipated what he was doing in the first, and then obviously he adjusted beyond that because then he really mm-hmm. shut them down. But in that first inning, the Blue Jays had a chance to score three or four runs, and they had a couple on base. Oscar drove in one with the, his double, I think, and then – Matt Chapman struck out and then Tapia hit a good ball and Josh Naylor made a good play on the ball to stop that from extra bases. But mm-hmm. had that got, had that ball gotten through, then they're scoring three runs. Then it's suddenly three, one blue Jays. Well, that changes the whole complexion of the game because Kevin Gosman mm-hmm. can pitch a little more aggressively, a little differently uh, because it's not a one, one game, it's three, one game. So you look at that too. And like that, the Blue Jays are quite good a front-running team, I think. When they score early and when they score first or they get a lead first, they're actually quite good at um, front-running, especially lately. Like, I know the bullpen is a popular topic to complain about, and I totally understand why there is some frustration with the bullpen. They don't strike enough guys out, all that kind of stuff. But it, they have been pretty effective lately. They've had a week here or there where it hasn't been good, but it's largely not been – it's been almost a non-issue, honestly, their bullpen performance. Um, So – yeah, when I look at that Sunday game, it's it's a little bit of like a missed opportunity story for them because I think if they had put up somewhat of a crooked number in that first inning when they had the chance to do it, that changes. And then Bieber comes out pitching differently too. Like he's not making the same adjustment as well. And, and the Blue Jays maybe have him on the ropes a little bit more. And it's just a completely different game. And so that, sometimes that's baseball. Like again, Josh Naylor makes a good play. Blue Jays aren't getting those big defensive plays. And that was really the difference in that game. But Totally a microcosm of the frustrations that happen with this team and that like sometimes the balls don't go their way. Even on the Friday game, which they lost, they were actually hitting the ball very hard and it was going mm-hmm. right at guys. That happens. And again, it's one of those things where it's when it's happening to other teams against the Blue Jays, it's, oh, they're playing great defense. They're in the right spot all the time. And then when it happens to the Blue Jays, and again, you have to just tip your cap to another team that's playing good defense against them. But it, mm-hmm. it totally can be frustrating because the – process is there sometimes with Blue Jays hitters. They are picking good spots to swing and they were hitting the ball hard. There was one that Bo hit really hard, but it went right at the third baseman, I think. If that ball had just been a little over, it gets through the hole and you're it's a completely different at bat. So 
those are the things too that's hard to contextualize and rectify with the Blue Jays is that a lot of their process is quite good too and that they do hit the ball really hard um but mm-hmm. again maybe it doesn't the always ground too much yeah maybe, that, maybe that's, that, that is can one still thing. be the complaint Let yeah Vlad be like on a flag bearer for that yeah for too many ground balls I think Kirk probably, does it a lot too Kirk does it a lot you know Kirk Another day. Uh, I think that number one again. You you have to give credit to Shane Bieber because he's he's one of the best pitchers in the American League. Sure, he doesn't throw as hard as he used to, but he's still so good. Uh, there's no better compliment than or or example of doing exactly what you described of changing his approach was when uh, that big at bat against Vlad later in the game, and he threw first pitch. Uh, I think it was a cutter. And Vlad, uh, it was a strike. And then the next pitch was like 94 mile an hour fastball, a little bit of like a little bit of arm side run, maybe. And Vlad took it right at the bottom of the zone. And then he did that thing where he like swung after. And he was so mad at himself because he, you know, knowing what he had known and watching, watching Bieber work all day, he had an idea in his mind of what he was going to get in that count. And, and Bieber completely crossed him up and executed with a really good pitch that, that Vlad couldn't react to in time. And then now he's behind. Right now it's like whatever one two oh two, and then the at bat is pretty much over. And and as you said, you know Vlad, Vlad's been he's been, his hitting streak is obviously over. He was obviously being super productive the whole time. But like you hit the ball hard. He had his double was ninety one miles an hour on Friday night. And then he also lined out uh, one hundred and fifteen miles an hour, eighty eight hundred batting average, uh, expected batting average, and there's an out. Like that's just what happens sometimes. And yeah. It, it, I, I, I don't know. There's, there, I, I guess the one thing that if I had to say, and I don't want to, you know, belabor this point too much longer, but I think that, that they, sh- the, the only thing I would have liked to see, and maybe that's why we have seen so much Kevin Biggio of late, is that they, 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 they want to give a little bit of a different look, a little bit of a different, of a different type of hitter. Um, to uh to what what they have which is these very aggressive right-handed batters who who you know maybe against in certain matchups that perhaps makes the group a bit more vulnerable as opposed to if you had a little bit more left and right or a little bit more uh, of a different type of approach if you had like an anthony rizzo example for example maybe in this blue jays lineup doesn't strike out gets hit by the pitch all the time you're just a different kind of hitter um might that kind of accelerate their run scoring I don't know, but there's a, it's, it's not the concern. Obviously the Blue Jays have a lot bigger fish to fry than just worrying about why they are, why they're only the third or fourth best offense in baseball. But it certainly gets the line share of the attention when they don't score. Yeah. I think you also notice the absence of George Springer because then it makes you're swapping, whoops, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in the middle of your lineup for him being the leadoff hitter. And while his new approach is a good profile for, leadoff hitter and he's mm-hmm. performed pretty well in it i think it's there was probably an adjustment period to it but yesterday obviously was a good example of him doing what a good leadoff hitter should do taking pitches getting on base all that kind of stuff but george does that as well and does it with more power and more uh, he can do more damage in that spot and then you're also then you're putting a guy like lourdes who has proven to be really good hitting hitting with guys on base and in those spots and so that also changes how their lineup produces as well because you're losing that productive bat in the middle with Lourdes because you're using him in the leadoff and you're obviously just missing a guy who does a ton of damage for you in George Springer. That's exactly it. That that that's it. One hundred percent is not. Uh, you know, I just fully agree. Not only do you have a different look at the top, not only are you then missing 
uh, that different look in the middle. You just have a worse hitter in the lineup because there's nobody who's as good as Springer who's laying around waiting for playing time. The Blue Jays. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Given what we saw with the Blue Jays' defense there on Sunday, do you think we might see more of one of Jackie Bradley Jr. or Bradley Zimmer um, in the lineup or just in general? Is it, is it, is it, do we get a sense that maybe one guy is taking the, taking the nose to head, taking the lead in the, in the pursuit of that fifth outfielder's job? I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I, we might get an answer on that today on Monday when we're recording this because there's some optimism that George Schwinger will be ready to go. They sort of vowed at the then when he went on the uh, IL that it could just be a 10-day thing because ultimately whatever's happening with his elbow is it's not as quick a fix as a 10-day thing, but the 10 days gave him enough time to get that injection, that anti-inflammatory shot, and then for it to calm down a little bit and do what it's supposed to do in there. And if it's ultimately not going to get better, it's not going to heal itself, then they can put him back in the lineup because it's, he's not going to make it worse. And if this shot had helped calm down some of the inflammation in there and they hope that at least to start off with swinging the bat won't do anything worse. And then you give them maybe a few more days not playing in the field. So in terms of, I mean, the roster decision will come and I wonder what it'll be because they, I don't know that they're going to have that many outfielders on their bench. Um, mm-hmm. And so did especially they, when they have so many like quasi outfielders already on their bench. <laughs> yeah. So did they see enough from Jackie Bradley Jr. to keep him? He probably doesn't have options, and neither does Zimmer. So it's one of those guys. Do you like what you get more from Zimmer in terms of speed? He is a little bit faster than Jackie Bradley Jr. I don't know what they're going to do with that. I haven't really thought about it deeply and. Sometimes I think about these roster decisions and then they kind of go out in left field and make one that I'm not expecting. I also mm. saw Taylor Sacedo in the Blue Jays clubhouse yesterday. So I wonder if he's 
back for the series against the Baltimore Orioles if they want another lefty, and he's been pitching really well. That'll require a 40-man move, though, so that's where it kind of gets curious because he'll need to get put back on the 40-man. So then you sort of do think there's going to be a lot of roster moves today to potentially get George back on and get Taylor Sacedo on. If he is indeed here to pitch, I don't know. He was here yesterday. He wasn't activated, but there could be a roster move with Trent going down because he pitched. So sure I did. Yeah. I, <laughs> in terms of that question, who's taking the lead in that? I don't know. I, because I, these mm-hmm. are the types of roster moves that I almost just fully admit that it's me just trying to make an educated guess and not being totally sure what what they'll do, what they're thinking, and how do front offices think? Do they value a guy that's been on the team all year and Zimmer? Does he get sort of a leg up because he's been with them and Jackie Bradley Jr.'s like, you know, last one in, first one out type of thing? I don't know how they think about that or why they brought in Jackie Bradley Jr. Is it just because they wanted to give him a look? Is he going to show off enough in the couple handful of opportunities that he had with the Blue Jays to stick around? Is there another roster move that I'm not thinking of is there another guy that could potentially go on the IL like is there other things that the Blue Jays could do to get George on and keep everyone around off the top of my head I don't think so but again these are the types of roster moves that I'm sometimes I just play a wait and see because sometimes the front office always has like a trick up their sleeve with it and it's maybe never as easy as you think it's going to be I can't imagine that that they would um base any kind of roster decision on like well jackie bradley jr had a hit the other day so you know yeah let's let's go with no, that it's, but it's who is gonna give you more in those big moments that you need it and again if if zimmer is a fraction faster on the bases and he's probably still better defensively than jackie bradley jr um do you keep him around is he more useful like I think that the 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 biggest thing that I would say is that the Blue Jays have given Jackie Bradley Jr. and the more plate appearances in the last three days than they have given uh, Bradley Zimmer since the All Star break, which is to say they've given each of them three. <laughs> so that is a not a not a not a rousing uh, uh, note of support for poor Bradley Zimmer. Uh, I just I think that the what well, I know what I was going to ask so. If they do say they do go with Bradley Zimmer, might we see the Blue Jays continue to or make an effort? Maybe 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 they don't are as concerned with it as I am, but more defensive first arrangements. Like, might we see more times with a Bradley Jr. starting in center field? Um, just to try to bolster the defense, particularly maybe when Kevin Gossman's on the mound. I'm I'm thinking from now on, if when Kevin, Kevin Gossman pitches, you do like the old football, like the hands lineup, like hands. Everybody who's playing today is going to be the best defender at their position that we got, and we're going to do everything we can to part to save poor Kevin Gossman's sanity uh, by having like defense everywhere we everywhere you look, everywhere you like, look. I, there's just defense, e- yeah. Everywhere you look, we, we you know they're they're going to play. They'll play Tapia in left. They'll play Zimmer in center, and they'll play Jackie Bradley Jr. in right. I, I think Lourdes Espinal is. Play in second. I think actually hmm? Lourdes has taken the lead in turn. I think he's actually been one of their better defensive outfielders. No, does the, do the numbers not grade out that way? Well, I have. I think you are. I would. I'm going to look right now. Okay. I'm going to guess that you're right. Yeah. Because it hasn't seemed like quite the adventure 
They don't, and they also don't remove. They don't remove him. Like they, I've seen they do situations Mm. often in the late innings when George was playing, and they put would they would put Zimmer in center. They'd move George to right, and they'd keep Lourdes. It's not like they moved Tay Oscar over to left. They would keep Lourdes and left. I don't know how that, that, and that changed even over the course of the season. Yeah, where they started favoring keeping Guriel back there. Yeah, Um, this year Guriel by um, by Baseball Savant. He is uh, minus two uh, outs above average in left, and then you know average at short st- or at first base where he's played a, just a, a brief amount of time. Uh, it is important to note that, uh, as I often do, that baseball savant's outs above average does not include arm. throwing arm, yeah. which is of course Lourdes Gurriel's kind of stock and trade. He has a terrific arm that, even if he hasn't thrown as many people out this year. Because words got out and people don't run on him, which has innumerable, like has a ton of value yeah, all on that, its own. That saves runs on its own, even though it doesn't 100%. show up. It doesn't show up necessarily in the statistics. But you, you see, people don't test his arm anymore because it's. Mm-hmm. According to defensive run saved, he's plus two. According to um, uh, ultimate zone rating, he's uh, way worse, uh, minus four. But I don't know if I buy that. They're, they're, they've docked him a lot for his arm, which doesn't, I mean, I'm sure there's reasons for it, doesn't really track as well, um, you know, given what we know about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. So hard to argue that, that Gurriel maybe isn't the best option in left field. If you needed to go full hands like you were trying to save, you know, game seven of the World Series and you've got a two-run lead and, you know, maybe maybe you go full on like Bradley Zimmer, <laughs> Jackie. If if it's Game Seven of the World Series and both Bradley Zimmer and Jackie Bradley Jr. are on the postseason roster, something crazy has happened. If the Blue Jays are in the World Series with the roster in that same sort of situation, uh, dare we look ahead, Caitlin, a little bit to to the uh, upcoming series against the Orioles? The Orioles, yeah, the dreaded are Baltimore they, Orioles. The dreaded Baltimore Orioles. I think uh, I'm gonna. I don't usually do this. Okay. I'm going to make sure that Ricky and I talk about Jose Barrios. That's this is my promise to myself and okay. to everyone listening, because it's worth delving into. You and I went crazy on the offense. Ricky and I will talk about Jose Barrios okay. later this week. What about the Orioles? They almost got perfect gamed yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, which Tampa. is against Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they are. Um, they're pesky. The Orioles aren't going anywhere. There seems to be a lot more belief among the in the in the front office and well, the front office saying the right things. The clubhouse they think they can make the playoffs. They're right there. Blue Jays just saw them. I wonder if there's anything that Blue Jays can have learned will have learned from the series in Baltimore. Well, there are so going to see. Apply. I'm just looking at the pitching matchups this week, and it, both teams are going to have the same advantage against each other because they're say, seeing the same two guys that they saw last week. Um, Kyle Bradish is going for the Blue Jays, or sorry, for the Orioles against them tonight. And um, you say Kikuchi is going for the Blue Jays. So the Orioles got to him last time out. The Blue Jays didn't quite get to Kyle Bradish. I feel like they were, again, doing that thing where they were maybe, yes. And I actually heard Dan Connolly, our Orioles reporter, talk about this where Kyle Bradish has had a season in which you're kind of scratching your head as like how he's doing it is that he allows a lot of hits, but he some for some re- for somehow turns it on a little bit when guys are on base and he gets out of it. And so you'll see these lines where it's like he allows eight hits, but two runs or something like that. So he's had the season like that. I, I think it was him. Hopefully I'm not confusing another guy with 
Jordan anyway. Lyles could be either of those. Oh yeah, maybe garbage. it was both. <laughs> it could be both. Could it might have been actually. Now that I think about it, it might have been Jordan Lyles. But I think Kyle Bradish is kind of the same way, and I think he was against the Blue Jays, where it was like they were putting good swings on it, and they just weren't getting the results. And anyway, like I, it, that, it, that is my recollection as well. Yeah. Of course, Bradish was the guy that the Blue Jays had faced earlier in the season and really you know roughed up. Is that the um, is that the game where they? Oh, that was the game where Bo hit the two home runs. I think. Yeah, let me double check. Okay. I think Bo that definitely happened. Bo Bichette did hit two home runs. I believe it was that game. Uh, Bo Bichette hit two home runs in the game against Kyle Bradish. There you yeah. go. Yeah, so Brian that was Baker the game where they gave up a home run. Yeah. Oh, Brian Baker gave up a home run and, and Bo got one and against Kyle Bradish, Brad. right? But I think. Go ahead, please. I have well, an that, idea. So that was I, I so forget. that was the game where they should have won, and then they had the rain delay. They kind of mm. burned. They burned Zach Pop, and then they probably wouldn't have arranged there. And then Yimmy Garcia gave the home run up to Odor on that kind of inexplicable change-up pitch, which probably should have been a fastball. And you kind of just have to – I don't know. That's just that's just Flush bad. it, Flush <laughs> that's it and a, move on. Yeah. I was thinking – so Kyle Bradish, and I mentioned this either with, with you or with, with Ricky, um, Kyle Bradish has that as a cutter, right? He throws a cutter like 94, 95. Uh, I don't, I can't speak to the effectiveness of the pitches, but I think I said before, but it looks really nice on TV, right? That little bit of like at the, the last second, love a good cutter on the old behind uh, the center field camera, but Boba hit it, took him deep out to right field, which is something that I would look for from the Blue Jays, Lourdes Gurriel in particular. I'd like to see maybe the same sort of thing from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Where that cutter, I think if you like, if you try to pull that cutter, it's going to break your bat. So if the Blue Jays maybe come in with a mindset of like, let, if we if he throws that cutter, we're going to either you know spit on it if it's outside, or or if it starts over the middle of the plate, we can go the other way and and be that kind of adaptable, uh, pesky, quote unquote, balanced offense. I think this is a good opportunity to do that to demonstrate that you can make good swing decisions, you can have a plan, you can do damage, but also you don't have to play into the pitcher's hand. I think that would go a long way to assuaging. Well, number one, it would go a long way to winning the game, which is number one. That's all you need. Number two, it would go a long way to like making uh, some of us who are watching uh, maybe more closely than others make us feel better. Because I think that might be a good way to approach Bradish, uh, a guy, again, a guy they have touched up a lot before. Um, So there's an opportunity to go and get him again if they come in with a good approach and are able to play to their own strengths and with an understanding of what he's going to try to do to them. So that's something that I'm going to look for. And as I've said, ad nauseum, Bobichette is so good going to right field. Man, if I was the Orioles, I, I would be looking to, when Bobichette becomes a free agent, I'm like, Bo, come, please take advantage of our pesky little right field wall that's very, very close and very high. Uh, because he would look great banging doubles and hitting home runs off of that over and into that thing. Uh, for years, not that he wouldn't look good in a Blue Jays uniform, but it's always nice when the ballpark can line up with the personnel that you've got. Like Rugi Odor, I saw Orioles bloggers being like, "We can credit the turnaround to Rugi Odor," and I thought to myself, "What the fuck?" But uh, I think it's probably true. But they also are like, "We need to find a better role for him because let's be real, he's still Rugi Odor." <laughs> um, and on the flip side, you need you say Kikuchi to not be handing the Orioles free bases and mm-hmm. fastballs down the middle to hit out of the ballpark. You need a good performance from him, I think. Not just because you need to get yourself out of the slump, but I think that he 
he needs it for himself. I think that he came off the IL a couple of weeks ago, looked okay, or looked good, I guess, against the uh, Tigers. Looked, um, you know, so-so. His next start wasn't great against the Orioles, I, although give him credit for f- going. I think he finished with six innings. He gave the Blue Jays more length than maybe you thought he was going to in those initial innings. But the thing Definitely. with him is that they, you, he's got to just n- not let those – bad inning snowball or or have a have an outing get or sorry have an inning get out of hand the way that he's been prone to do lately so if it's just he did battle that 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 uh, yeah that one he did he looked better by the end of it so that's how you know it's in there you know he was he stuck in there he was finally hmm. landing some of his pitches it was just those few opportunities where it's like he walks somebody and then it's Giving up a it home was, run. It was, and, exactly. It was the worst case scenario for, for, for Yusei Kikuchi, which is walks and then home runs. Yeah. You know, we've seen him a couple times out. You know, give up a couple solo home runs. I can live with that. If I'm the Blue Jays, if I'm if I'm Yusei Kikuchi, I mean, if I'm his agent, I already did my job. But uh, but everybody else can, like, get by with that. But it's when you couple those walks with the home runs, um, suddenly you put your team down into a pretty good, uh, pretty dig, uh, deep hole. And it's a lot of work to try to dig out from underneath that. Um, as the Blue Jays look to get back, you know, he, he gave up five runs. And that was a game where there was some frustration around. But then they went to Richards, then they went to Trent Thornton when the game was close. But then it sort of slipped a little bit out, more out of reach as Thornton and Richards in, uh, were unable to hold the Orioles at bay, giving up a run each. So lots to watch with Kikuchi. Um, interesting to s- thing, if, if George Springer does come back and is kind of installed in that DH role, Maybe not the worst idea to get a little bit of extra rest for Alejandro Kirk. Um, I think we'll probably, you know, all these things that factor in together. Okay. So why Kirk, Kirk caught two out of three against Cleveland or uh, played two out of three. Um, you know, he catches Sunday. So then maybe the plan is then Danny Jansen will be back there with, with Kikuchi again. Danny Jansen, the more, a bit more veteran, a little bit more guy who's going to take charge and kind of grab Kikuchi by the shoulder. Pairing, hmm. They have been pairing Danny, I think, with Kikuchi ever since he's come back from the IL. I think that that, is mm-hmm. the pairing they like for that sort of veteran, at least mm-hmm. a stronger hand in saying, mm-hmm. throw this pitch. I think I just want to mention one thing with Danny Jansen that has sort of occurred to me, and I think that it maybe contextualizes maybe the struggles that he's had, is that sometimes when you have those freak hand injuries, I think they take a while to come back. And I sort of wonder, yeah. I wonder if I wonder if he's still feeling a little bit. It There's one thing where I think the earlier – was the earlier injury – like oblique or something. Um, it, sometimes those can come, um, those can uh, linger, but considering mm-hmm. like a hand and how much a catcher is using the hands and then you've got a swing and then there's just, it's, I, I sort of wonder if that is playing a role and maybe him not coming back the same way that he was hitting before the IL. Like just think about how much he's using that hand, those, those hands obviously, and how, he has to stay on top of it in the catching role. And yeah, like you're also swinging about. And if your hand is still sore a little bit, like I just, I'm sort of wondering if that's an explanation to maybe him not having quite the power that he was showing early on is like, is there some lingering pain or discomfort or whatever it may be um, that I sort of wonder about that. And that I think in number one, yes, that's an ignorant job. That's why they call them the tools of, tools of ignorance. 
that is a very physically demanding job, only made more so by the A, number of pitches in the game and B, the amount of velocity in the game. When you add in nagging, kind of dull, aching injuries like a hand break or contusion or whatever it was that that had him down, it's only going to get worse. That said, maybe Danny Jansen is a bit of a candidate for a, an adjustment to his approach when he's not able to generate as much bat speed and as much power as he does typically. And we saw Danny Jansen earlier in the year when it was just, we were joking about Danny, Danny Bautista and just like <laughs> selling out for power and like just trying to hook everything down the line. If your, if your bat's a little slow and your hand's a little, you know, a little, little beat up, maybe that isn't going to work. And so what we've seen is Danny Jansen really scuffling ever since. So maybe he's a guy we can count on or look for or hope for to make a little bit of an adjustment in his approach and, and try to um, be the Danny Jansen, like all fields hitter that he was when he was a little bit younger. That said, whatever, swing for the fences. Who cares? You know, you're, well, the, hitter. Yeah. you're, you're the catcher. It's a hard job. No one expects anything from you anyway. It's interesting, though, because when he came out of the All-Star break where he presumably would have gotten some good rest in there he looked amazing in that red Sox series right he was mm. what did he have six rbi in that game he had t- two home runs in that 28 run scoring game and he had a really good series against but as the workload builds up and he's behind the plate and he's not getting as much rest you sort of wonder is that hand bothering him a little bit but that's baseball that's baseball it's a long season and uh I one thing number one that I think about is when it comes to the roster machinations is there maybe an opportunity to get another catcher up here maybe not uh, the roster is only expanded to 28 in September also not a thousand like it used to be so so it's not going to be open season and there'll probably be a few different folks who are who are missing out and I you know the Blue Jays are facing a lot of 40 man roster questions so Lots to look forward to. Lots to look forward to coming up this week as the Blue Jays face first Baltimore and then the New York Yankees. The ever-scuffling but ever-dangerous New York Yankees. Shout out to Lindsay Adler who got to meet Spike Lee this week. Big news on Lindsay's Twitter feed. Uh, we love Lindsay. Covers the Yankees for The Athletic. So if you subscribe, you can read everything that she writes. You can read everything that Caitlin writes. You can read everything that Dan Connolly writes about the, about the Orioles. And you can read uh, everything you want to read about what's going on with uh, Manchester United, West Ham United, which is where I spend the lion's share of my time on The Athletic is reading about soccer. So much to my own agony, given the way that West Ham has started the season. But look forward to everything Caitlin's going to report live and in person and in color from the Rogers Center this week. Ricky Romero and I will be back. As I said, we're going to talk about Jose Romero. Uh, Jose Romero. Jose Romero. No, his name is Ricky Romero. He and I will talk about Jose Barrios. <laughs> it's hard to do from home, but there's a, there's a growing suspicion that, that Jose Barrios is tipping his pitches. So when Ricky and I put our heads together, we'll see if we can figure out an answer to that one. Her name is Caitlin. My name is Drew. We will talk to you on the next edition of Spin Rate.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.